Hello everyone, this is Myra with Pali Pole's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga podcast. It's a beautiful time in New Zealand as spring is transitioning into summer in the Northland. I experienced my first winter out of the tropics in over 20 years, and it was really a pleasant surprise. It's a very mild winter in the Northland. There's no freezing and plenty of moisture and a lot of warm, sunny days. Experiencing the transition from winter through spring and into summer is a lot of fun. There are tropical plants here and evergreens that stay green all year round, and there are deciduous trees that lose their leaves, flower incredibly, and then leaf out again. Rhododendrons and magnolias and azaleas, and then the roses start coming after that. So it's just this continual flow of flowers. So we're growing heirloom roses for making some eye drops, really nice and soothing for the eyes, and for other oils and medicines. And we get to enjoy their beauty in the process. And there are a whole host of native trees and plants that I'm just learning about. Just like we humans, the plants all have their general characteristics and their specific tendencies and makeup. In Ayurveda, we call it our prakriti, the individual nature or our constitution. It's the same word in Sanskrit for the nature outside and around us, prakriti. Our vikriti is our current state of imbalance, or what's happening right now. And when our vikriti is close to our prakriti is when we feel the best. But bringing our vikriti into balance with our prakriti, with our constitution, isn't an end point or an achievement. We can't just do it and tick the box and then say it's done. Life is fluid, it's dynamic, it's always in motion, and there's a range of balance and imbalance. But even being in the range isn't really the purpose. Consider that experiencing life is the purpose, and it's a moment-by-moment -moment thing. You know, we're continually moving through things, evolving, and then we move through the next thing, and so on. And we have our desires and our goals in life. And then we move through them and things evolve even more. So the key to good living is that we be in the experience to have those moments with each other. I remember earlier in my life being quite attached to the outcome of my goals and thinking my life would get started when I just accomplished some particular thing. First it was moving out of my parents' house, then getting a university degree, then it was a graduate degree, then it was a job making a good living, then it was promotions, then it was the right relationship, and then it was the exotic vacations, and then it was more exotic vacations. And nothing was ever enough. Or my mind didn't feel satisfied because I was always in the future. Some people spend their time in the past trying to redo things or regretting the past. I've done my fair share of that also. I had no idea how to practice samtosha or contentment. And that really isn't possible as long as we're in the future and in the past. 
And it took coming to the practices of yoga and Ayurveda to see how I was caught up in my mind instead of actually experiencing life. But what else is happening with that approach to living? Well, I didn't have much concept of cause and effect in life. I thought I could solve everything and get whatever I wanted by my thinking, controlling, manipulating, and then using anything and everything just for my benefit. And when I learned about cause and effect, I felt pretty silly about how I'd been living my life, kind of bouncing off of things and moving from one thing to the next. I could only see things going in one direction. And I wasn't really allowing myself to enjoy the process, nor did I realize that I was actually creating the whole thing, my entire experience. I had very little connection to my inner world and had cut it off deliberately. <laughs> and as a result, I could see, I could only see myself as a victim of life and what was going on around me. Everything was always just happening to me. After a while, I finally recognized that the things on the outside were not ever going to make me happy. And I had to hear that many times before I could realize I was living my life as if the things on the outside were going to make me happy. And then I heard a wise teacher say that we're only as happy as we decide to be. And that our lives have meaning when we decide to fully participate in the experience of living and decide what life is going to mean to us. I came to understand that when I made a decision that I was directing my energy and that that would direct the outcome. I found that whatever I was doing in life was what I was practicing and therefore I would get more of it. And then I looked at how I would declare a bad mood as a way to say, I'm going to stay miserable for now, so leave me alone. I'd been living continually as a victim of something or someone in life. And guess what? Self-imposed misery doesn't bring us great results. And the ego gets attached to feeling right about things, so it can be quite a process to step away from this approach. So I decided to play a game and pay attention to the story I would tell myself about how I was feeling. I had no idea how to just let the feelings come and go and just continue walking through my life. And I realized that I'd spent very little of my life being present. I felt like I didn't know how to be present in my life. At that time, I had just started learning how to be in the center of my head and that that could be my place for peace and harmony and love and that I could go out into the world from there. Previously in my life, that kind of thing just sounded like talk that went in one ear and out the other. It was really something for me to have moments of peace and harmony and love as a possibility even in my life. It sounded like a fairy tale. So I spent my spare time reading texts from yoga, and I could only understand little bits of it. And I practiced meditation every day. And Some days it wasn't easy, and I would label it a failed attempt. But then I saw that this was just my ego judging. I was reminded that my willingness to get still and quiet on the outside would accumulate benefits on the inside over time. And that the only reason I needed to meditate 
was to teach myself how to be still and get quiet and listen. The key was to keep going. And the same thing with pranayama. The benefits of the practice accumulated over time. I could see it in the people who taught me pranayama. It was clear to me that they were experiencing the benefits. Things like peace, harmony, and the ability to be present and enjoy the simplicity and the beauty of life. They were my evidence that it was working. So I did keep going with pranayama and meditation and with the practices I learned to be present. And I got to know myself inside along the way. And it's a day-by-day thing. You can begin today, too, with one little step. The take-pause exercise. The practice of taking pause three times in the day will bring you to a new level of well-being. So what does it look like? It's really simple. You can set a, a gentle alarm for yourself on your phone and stop what you're doing and take 12 slow, conscious, deep breaths. You can even start with three breaths. And then smile to yourself. And it will make a difference. It's truly a matter of the direction you're pointing your energy and mind. So by taking the pause, you get to become conscious of this. Or if you're staying away from your phone, you could just do it before each meal and it'll support your digestion of the meal. By coming into your own center with your breath, the cells of your body respond with resilience. And remember, to complete the take-pause exercise, you smile inwardly to yourself. When we stop taking ourselves so seriously and show even a touch of the ability to relax inside, we have a newfound freedom. And that's the kind of thing that can lead us to humility, which is the ultimate freedom. What the practices of meditation, pranayama, and conscious breathing do is to connect us with our own energy. A very wise yoga teacher said to me, Yoga is really just an energy management system. It's all about what we do with the energy, our prana. So the yamas and niyamas that we've been exploring this year are also energy management tools for elevating our well-being by bringing consciousness to how we use our energy. So these 10 ethical principles helped me learn how to make decisions and to consciously direct my energy in life. When I follow them, then I know what to do. When it seems like I might not know what to do, then they help me find that. And perhaps because of modern methods of education, we tend to compartmentalize our experiences, meaning we keep the energetics of life and the body and mind separate. And this view of life is quite limiting for us tends to keep us in the dark in many ways. But the yamas and niyamas give us a different point of view, one that's holistic and grounded in self-responsibility. The yamas and niyamas bring us into the light of our consciousness. I really encourage you to keep working with them throughout the year and many years. 
I found that focusing on one each week was really helpful in guiding me early on. And now I remember they're there for me on a daily basis. They're hanging on the wall in my home and they guide me through my life changes. Change is a constant in our lives. And yet, as human beings, we seem to look for something fixed, whether it's an end point where we think we can get things just right or feel secure or when something is over so we don't have to look at it or do it again. Out in the future is where many of us spend our time and referencing our memory to observe the now, it keeps us out of the now. Then we don't grow past our previous experiences in life. And life starts to feel kind of small. And then we look for stimulation on the outside from substances or other people and extremes of anything. Ayurveda and yoga are based in our direct experience of this moment. Our ability to heal the aberrations of our mind and our body is only right now in this moment. And how we experience this moment directly impacts our experience of the future and how we see the past. I like to remind myself and my students that we have our face on the front of our body so that we can look out into life in the direction that we're going. But the point from which we're looking is what matters. Center of the head, a place of equanimity, peace, harmony. So I may or may not see the future, but I can experience this moment and what's happening right now. And how I see the future now can change because of my experience of the now. So tomorrow is different because my now has just changed. And this is where life is happening. It's easy to laugh in the now. And this is how our evolution in the human experience expands and we enjoy life, even with the ups and the downs. The practice of being in the center of the head gives us this freedom to be in the now and feel safe. And it gives us the clarity to look into the unknown future with courage and enthusiasm. Coming to Ayurveda helped me see the dynamic web that life is. Everything affects everything else, and we can't just do one thing without impact elsewhere within our body, mind, and spirit complex. That's our life. And this works in, in the positive sense as well as the negative. I was reminded recently, you know, we can habituate good habits and bad habits. It's a choice. So take pause, breathe, and then consider your choices in life. In Ayurveda, we talk about the four pillars of health, ahar, the diet, vihar, the lifestyle, sleep, nidra, and brahmacharya, how we manage our energy, and particularly our sexual energy. Making choices that support these four pillars brings you to feeling the best in your body, mind, and spirit. At Halipuli, we have a brand new online program called Heal Your Relationship with Food that guides you to look at your choices as they relate to food and all of life. Remember the web of life. If your relationship with food is wrapped up in escapism or gratification, restriction, or guilt, it's time to make a change. Experiencing food in this way means the mind is being drawn to the past and the future, which dilutes the experience of the present. 
The inability to enjoy food fully and allow healthy nourishment of the body has consequences for our mental and, and physical health. Rather than food being an enjoyable part of life, it becomes an obsession and a driving force. And it doesn't have to be this way. And this is why we developed a six-week program that incorporates the practices we spoke about today and much more so that you can step into your life more fully. To learn about the program, head over to our website, halepule.com. That's H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E.com. Thanks for listening. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipule's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, Join simple Ayurvedic cooking with Halepule. The recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.